this is Dragon Talk. Hello and welcome to another Dragon Talk. I'm Mark Griffiths. And while the, the Chinese curses may live in interesting times, and we certainly are, aren't we? Two of the shortest ever spells by managers in club charge of Wrexham in the club's history have ended. And now Jeff Moss is on the search for his fourth manager. Brian Little won less games as a percentage of his matches than anyone else in Wrexham's history as a manager. And his predecessor, Brian Carey, took the least number of points out of those available to any Wrexham manager during his spell. So Moss certainly hasn't had much success with his two appointments so far. And who knows what's going to happen next time. There's all sorts of stories going around. But despite the fact that a lot of them seem quite alluring and you know pretty believable, the fact of the matter is that our experience so far of Jeff Moss as he plays his cards pretty close to his chest. The appointment of Brian Carey was a, rather a sudden one and caught everybody on the hop. And the appointment of Brian Little, well, if you cast your minds back, there was an awful lot of speculation, an awful lot of talk that he'd be using his Liverpool contacts to bring in somebody. Yet yeah, in the end, Little came pretty much out of left field. There was a little bit of chatter about about him, but he didn't really come on our radar very much. A lot of the names were much more prominent. I remember John Aldridge being very heavily tipped at the time. So, I don't know. I think this, all this speculation is just that, speculation. It's all made all the more interesting by the Rabbi Savage drama, of course, and indeed by Savage's comments that Jeff Moss has got the club's interest at heart and he has a couple of really exciting surprises for Axum fans. Well, heaven knows what they are. Let's hope they're more pleasant surprises than some of the ones we've experienced during Moss's reign. I'm not, I'm not a great subscriber to the idea that Moss is a... I know, up to anything nefarious, to be honest. I suspect that he's what you get on the tin, really. He's somebody who's, you know, wants Wrexham to succeed. He also wants to offload them as soon as he can, really. Uh, and, well, uh, I, I don't genuinely think that he's he's looking to wreck anything. I do think he's looking to do the right thing, although some of his decisions are peculiar and maybe some of his political actions are, are unwise, some of his PR moves are unwise. But I, I think the book's probably sincere, to be honest. But he holds an awful lot in his hands. He's got to get this decision right about the manager. And likewise, he's really got to make that decision right about the next owner. If he does accept a bid from some consortium, he's really got to do an awful lot to ensure, to the best of his ability, that this is a group with the club's interests in hearts and not anything else, not their own interests. Because look at the mistake that Price Griffiths made. We put him in the Hall of Fame at the Supporters Association. And at the time, people just didn't think a second thought, I'll give it a second thought. He was in the original tranche of members, the first 20 who joined, and nobody dissented whatsoever. He was Mr. Wrexham, that was what they called him in the media. And yet, look at his reputation now because of what happened in his handover to Gutterman and Hamilton. So Moss really has got a huge, a huge responsibility to get that right as well as the manager. There's an awful lot on, <laughs> on his plate in terms of our future. Let's hope he can get it right. Anyway, like I say, no point in speculating really on who the next manager is going to be because heaven knows who it'll be. The Buckies, well, I mean, they, they've chopped and changed. Uh, on Monday, Victor Chandler published a list of 20 names of who's the likely people to take the job, and Dean Saunders' name wasn't even on it. By the next day, he was the favourite. It's all speculation. I know Buckies don't like throwing their money away, but the fact of the matter is that, well, come on, 
the Bucky's here are just led by gossip. You go on Red Passion and look at the names that are being thrown out. Some of them are crackpot ideas, but they all pop up on Victor Chandler's list because what the Bucky's are doing really is they're covering their losses. They're, they're cutting the prices on anyone whose name is mentioned at all. And the off chance that somebody has some inside information and that people get onto him. So, you know, they'll throw names on their list simply because they've seen someone speculate about him, not because of any inside information from them. I, I really can't imagine they work on anything but guesswork. But the moment there's a buzz about somebody, the price will drop, which creates more buzz. You know, the leader uh, kind of story talking about Saunders is installed as favourite after our exclusively breaking news story that he was watching the team train on Monday or Tuesday, was it? Well, yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? So... Yeah, I, I think we'll know something when it's announced, quite frankly, which will be next week at the soonest. Before then, of course, is the trip to Forest Green. And, well, that should be interesting. Foyle and Carey will remain in charge for that match, at least. It'll be interesting, of course, will be in the first visit there. Interesting for some stuff that's gone off the pitch. And also interesting because of who is in their dugout. So, to learn a little bit more on all those uh, points of information, I got in touch with the acting chairman of the new Forest Green Trust, Tim Barnard. Firstly, on the pitch, Tim, I mean, gosh, it, things started well, but they're, they're going to be pear-shaped now, aren't they? Yeah, I think all the uh, Rovers supporters were thinking that uh, we had a slightly weaker squad than last year at the beginning of the season, and then uh, we end up top of the table at the end of September, and then uh, the dreaded Manager of the Month award was presented to uh, Jim Harvey against Ebb's Fleet. We should have won about 4-1 and ended up losing 4-1, and it's been... Uh, a slippery slope all through September. Yeah, so you got one point out of the last six games or so. I mean, what, what, right. is it, what do you think? Can you put your finger on what's gone wrong? Um, no. <laughs> the uh, short answer to that question. We've got uh, quite a thin squad. I mean, whichever way you cut it, we're a village team yeah. uh, playing at national non-league level. We've got a good squad. We've got a great squad, but it's not as big as other clubs. And if we have players suspended or injured, it really, uh, I think, shows on the pitch. And you know, my understanding, you know, you play nice football, you play it the right way. But you know, like you say, I guess if, if resources are stretched, even the manager like Jim Harvey can't get enough enough out well, of this. I, I think that's correct. You look at you, you look at the game, uh, the, fir- the first of our losing streak, the game against uh, Eastbourne. We very much gave as good as we took and we had as many chances as they did. We hit the bar and uh, we were complimented as the best footballing team ever to ever to uh, visit Eastbourne Borough's ground. And I, that, that is not the first time um, we've heard that this year or last year. So we, we're definitely a good footballing team. But, you know, you've got to turn in the performance every week to get a win and we just can't do that at the moment. Uh, it's it's an issue that's high in Wrexham fans' mind at the moment. I can of, imagine, yeah. <laughs> I mean, playing proper football or not, I think a big part of why Brian Little left was because the chairman criticised his long ball tactics. Um, yeah. You're saying that you're a village club in essence. It, it, it must give you a huge amount of pride that although you're a small club, you play football the right way rather than, and I'm not trying to be funny about them, but say Histon, who appear to be more the long balls, small town club. It must give you a lot of pride in, in, to achieve what you've done. I think I think the football on the pitch gives us a lot of pride, and what the club has achieved off the pitch gives us equally as much pride. I mean, we uh, we play very very good football, but uh, you look at the facilities, which uh, hopefully we'll uh, introduce you to on Saturday. We've got first-class facilities, and uh, all praise has to go to our chairman Trevor Horsley, who's been with the club for 17 years now. 
seen us through from the uh, Southern League Midland Division and all the way up, bounce, 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 up to the top of non-league football. And now we're, you know, in a stadium that's fit for the Football League. So, you know, it's off the pitch as well as on the pitch. We're very proud. I, I, I guess my question's leading in a direction that you probably spotted as well. I mean, Wrexham fans I Jim Harvey, enviously. He had a loan spell with us in the 80s and... and that ended up with him being a sort of cult hero because Wrexham desperately wanted to keep him and couldn't afford him, and he made a huge difference to them. And every time the Wrexham manager job comes up, he gets mentioned. But it, uh, he's mentioned more now. I mean, firstly, I mean, I, I assume you think very highly of him down there. We think very, very highly of Jim Harvey. I mean, he's we, we've been in the conference for 10 seasons now, and um, in the time that he's been here... He's absolutely transformed the way we play football and transformed the results, uh, bar, bar, <laughs> bar September 2008. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're very, very proud of Jim Harvey and the way he's changed the way the team play football. And uh, it, it really does sort of give the spectators something to really sort of, you know, raise their eyebrows about the kind of football you can get to see in non-league these days. Have there been any rumblings down there about Wrexham possibly, you know, taking a predatory interest in him, or has it been all quiet? I think um, there are probably rumours about Jim being poached by just about every club that ever loses its manager, both in uh, the Blue Square Premier and also in League Two as well. Uh, yeah, fair, fair point, there, actually. Yeah, because he doesn't. His name does come up a lot, doesn't it? But, uh, it certainly does, yeah, yeah. and uh, deservedly so. I, I suspect that our, any attempts by us will be scuppered by having to pay compensation. Because I don't think we're uh, we're not going to look to spend a lot of money on this. To be honest with you, right, so I think it's right. probably safe in this case. I don't know. But um, and I want to ask you as well about about the trust. You know, what yeah. are the issues you want to address? What what brought about its creation? Well, the um, the constitution of. Forest Green Rovers Football Club. Uh, it is a company that is limited by members. Um, I am one of about sort of 35 members. The members basically own the club. The directors invest in the club. They uh, are responsible personally for the liability associated with the club, but they don't own the club. And it's a kind of uh, constitution that suits um, organisations at a much lower level down the football league so the members have voted earlier this year to change the constitution of the club to uh, a company limited by shareholding which means that uh, for the first time in the club's history which stretches back to 1889 the club will become privately owned um, we all agree that it's the right thing to do um, it's only fair that the directors get to own what they have the liability for and also, the primary reason it's been done is to attract uh, new investment. Now that we've got the first-class facilities and first-class football on the pitch, we, we also want new investment. So the uh, trust has been formed purely and simply to enable run-of-the-mill rank-and-file supporters who can't afford you know, hundreds of pounds or thousands of pounds to invest in shares to put some money into the trust with the view of the trust becoming a shareholder in the club. And uh, we are working with the directors of Forest Green. We have regular meetings with Trevor. Um, we keep him informed of everything, and uh, everything is, is working towards um, raising money to get a shareholding when the constitution changes, hopefully later this year.
nice to hear a club working hand in glove with the trust because certainly the situation at Wrexham is that, the, that you know I'm sure you're aware that our club don't want the trust really to to have yeah. equity in the club. So it's not nice yeah. to hear as well that a trust that hasn't been formed. You know, in opposition. Yeah, exactly. Often, yeah. So often, when I first heard the word trust, when I read about your trust, the immediate thought I had was... Is what's what, wrong at Forest yeah, Green? what's happened yeah. there? Because I thought it was I, a I book, think, you know. I think if you go back to... I mean, the, the, the vote to change the constitution took place in March. I called a meeting at the last game, our last home game in April, to see if there was any interest in the trust. There was loads of interest in the trust. And I think there was also a lot of suspicion from people who weren't... Uh, sort of aware of the full facts that, oh my God, you know, what's wrong at Forest Green? Mm. And uh, I think it's something we've had to work really, really hard to dispel, even amongst some of our supporters, mm. that the trust is there to give the supporters a voice, a voice in the club and a shareholding in the club. And it has one other uh, main aim in its, in its legal aims, which is to um, find ways to increase the support for the club, because... Uh, our other little issue on the financial side is that our average crowd is sort of just about touching 1,200 and we really, really need to uh, get the word out in Gloucestershire that uh, it's well worth a lot more people coming along to the game and that will obviously help our finances greatly. And I believe you've got some events planned for Saturday, haven't you, as well? Well, we had, we had uh, discussions um, with the Wrexham Supporters Trust about an awful lot of different events, uh, basically back in sort of mid-August, when uh, I think it was expected that uh, Wrexham might bring a sufficient number of supporters to even get close to uh, breaking our attendance record, which is only just uh, 3,000 and a few. And uh, I think ever since then, your results have, have uh, led to your away support dropping off by probably 100 a match. And um, so the only uh, big events we've got on Saturday that are left uh, that we've got a supporters club match. Um, so we've got Wrexham supporters versus Forest Green supporters um, on the Village Green, as it goes, just okay. up the road. And um, we also uh, have a penalty shootout at half-time with some, uh, I, think, I think, called Red Junior Dragons. That's and uh, So they're going to have a bit, of a bit of a penalty shootout with our mascot, who is Bradley the Badger. <laughs> and um, But, I th- yeah, it would have been nice to sort of do a bit more, but I think we've both... Both both sides feeling a bit despondent on the pitch. It's sort of, I don't think the crowd is expected to be as big as as we had all hoped. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? That they um, what what time is that? Is the supporters game for anyone who's popping out? I know the, the, support, gonna... the supporters game will be um, I can't remember. I think it's ten <laughs> ten thirty kick off, um, eleven o'clock half time, eleven fifteen. No, it must be 11 o'clock kickoff. I, I, to be perfectly honest, I can't remember off the top <laughs> Sorry. of my head, but I think, I think it's 11 o'clock. And it's half an hour each way because we've got a lot of over-40s playing. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Oh, brilliant, sir. I didn't mean to put you on the spot about the kickoff time then. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> right, don't worry, don't worry. Oh, well, you know, we're all looking forward to coming down there. I get the impression Forest Green is the, the what non-league football is about, really. Positive community clubs and... I think we're all looking forward to a positive experience, possibly not during the match, considering the way we're playing lately. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, we're looking forward to it. Well, we're looking forward to uh, welcoming you into the, into the New Lawn Stadium. Um, there's, a, there's a pub in the stadium called The Green Man. Um, there's pre-match food. So you'll be able to get yourself uh, something like sausages and onion gravy and mash for three quid. 
So uh, now we look forward to, to welcoming you into uh, into Forest Green's world. Oh, smashing! That sounds like a, a good experience. <laughs> Uh, well, well, t- May the best team win. <laughs> no, no, let us win. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. So there you go. We live in exciting times and so do Forest Green at the moment as well. But nice to see the club's fans getting together and showing real solidarity. Let's hope that next Saturday turns out fine. I'm Mark Griffiths from the Wrexham Supports Association's Football Commentary. <laughs> This is Dragon Talk.